3: Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. It's time to flock up. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now.
4: Welcome to the New Orleans Pelicans Podcast. It is another game day, the second night of a back-to-back, but the good thing about it, it's a win. That's what we'll be talking about and celebrating even though it was a long night. We'll explain that here as well. If you don't know what we're talking about, Jim Eichenhoff for NewOrleansPelicans.com. Joining us here in the opening segment. And then he will join us when we interview Christian Clark of The Advocate and Picayune. Covers the Pels, covers the NBA. He's also been trying to figure out how how that new TV deal is going to go. And even, even though, uh, Jim, you're negotiating that, right? You're the lead negotiator for the New Orleans Pelicans. They wouldn't Pelicans trust on me there.
5: to do something as important as that.
4: Sorry, Gus. Yeah, I was making sure I knew, you know you want your own digital channel hey last night was something else pelicans at new york the knicks not having all of their starters there as well but as you know that's also the same thing that happens when the pelicans sometimes play and they had to take care of business had to go get that win thank goodness trey murphy was ready to fire away herb between circles, shot clock at eight whip it over to trey right wing three online and rinsed again Kenneth Murphy the third have a night. Timeout, Tom Thibodeau lights out at the guard. Ty Graffanini with the call there. The Pelicans radio network, six threes for Trey Murphy. Head coach Willie Green on the win.
6: We executed better in the second half. Um, you know, starting with taking care of the basketball. You know, we had a few turnovers late, but we executed better. We got stops. Uh, we played with force getting downhill, um, even though we didn't have a ton of transition points, we played forceful in our offense, which allowed us to get uh, easy looks and then Trey hits, hits some big shots. Matt Bryan comes in, hits some big shots in that third quarter.
4: Zion Williamson finished with 21 points. It was efficient enough to get that W, his thoughts on the victory.
6: I said it a few games ago, and probably the last game. Even though his shot hasn't been where he's wanted it to, he's been affecting the game in other ways. So to see him... Back in that form was, it was dope to watch, especially the baseline dunk. I was, he shot me with that one.
4: And as for Trey, as we mentioned, six threes for him. He finished with 26 points to lead the Pelicans in scoring.
6: Great. I mean, it's funny that you say that. Like last game, I
7: was three for nine from three, but a lot of them felt really good. And so I counted in my head as makes. Obviously, they weren't makes, but, you know, i um, I was looking at this Paul Pierce podcast and he was there's one game he had like forty eight points but like the first half he's won fourteen and he was talking about how like they all felt good so he came out with like a whole lot of confidence and I think it led over into this game.
4: So, Jim, when you take a look at it, the Pels knocking down 18 threes in that game, and it really came at the right time. Only two from Matt Ryan, but, man, were they big there as well. Hawkins had some. Herb Jones again continues his hot streak from the corner when he's open, knocking down threes. Those shots are so big,
5: but overall that win, you needed that in a 115-92 victory. Yeah, I mean, it was was definitely a close game for most of the night. It wasn't the kind of thing where you could – think that you got this in hand, and then in the fourth quarter, they were almost perfect. I think they made seven out of seven from three-point range, and they made something like their 10 of their first 11 shots from the field, so all of a sudden, they got really hot and put the game away. Trey Murphy was, was on fire in that fourth quarter. He had four three-pointers and 16 of his 26 points, so it was interesting, too, to think about. You know, I I talk sometimes about the volatility of the three-point shot for a team and the variance from game to game. It's interesting that that was their third best three-point percentage of the season against the Knicks on Tuesday. On Friday, it was their worst of the season against Miami. So it's it's the kind of thing where you just never know what you're going to get, and unfortunately, you can't really control for that. You kind of have to be able to still try to win games when you're not making threes. But, man, when they go down like that, especially for this Pelicans team being sixth in the NBA in defense. When they're shooting threes like that, it's going to be really tough to beat them. Jim, we keep talking about it. The three-point shot in the NBA, it, it it honestly is the difference whether or not you win or lose sometimes. I mean, it just, honestly, it, it just yeah. it, it is.
4: Um, what, what else really stood out to you from that win yesterday?
5: Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan was huge to be able to come in the way that he did, and, you know, I thought the Pelicans did a good job taking advantage of some of the the areas that the Knicks were struggling in I thought the Knicks helped out definitely too by not having a a good three-point shooting game they were let's see they were 15 no they were 14 for 46 it looked it felt like they were insistent that they were going to take them even if they weren't going in and I thought there were times when if the Knicks weren't so cold they may have been able to get, get a little bit of a lead or take kind of a little bit of control in the game but fortunately for the Pelicans as good as the Pelicans were from beyond the arc, the Knicks were pretty much that bad for most of the game. We'll take it for sure. And then you know you had to go play Indiana tonight. A team that's
4: coming off of a tough loss against the Raptors didn't play up to their capability. That's one that I probably would have, you know, bet my my son's college tuition don't on that they that, were gonna Gus. get a win. And that's <laughs> why I don't bet, because they didn't win. Toronto beat them. Right. So you got them tonight, so they're rested and waiting and then you have what happened last night. The team wins. They get on their plane. Jen Hale, sideline reporter and host for Bally Sports New Orleans, then tweets this morning at like 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Road life. 11 p.m. Board flight for Indy after beating the Knicks. Midnight informed. Right engine on the plane broke down. 2:45 a.m. Deplane. Board plane. The Warriors just flew in. 3:15 a.m. Take off for Indianapolis. 5 a.m. land in Indianapolis. 6 a.m. go to bed. We have a tip for 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. I, I, I look. I understand. Maybe some fans don't get that. You live the life of the travel and all that. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds good, but that that's tough, right? That's tough because it throws you out of your routine. You are already on Eastern time. And I, I don't know. I mean, do you wake up late? Do you try to sleep late? Do you try to get a nap in? When do you do film study? It, it just, it compresses a lot of things that you normally would do at a certain sure. time already on a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And, and now it just adds another element to it tonight.
5: Yeah, I think, I mean, they didn't ask me, but my approach to this would be is to let the everybody sleep in as much as they possibly can at a certain point in the day when you feel like, okay, everyone's gotten a, a decent em- enough amount of sleep, then you start having your meetings and getting ready for the game that way. But I mean, there's no doubt this was already going to be a big challenge. Even if they had gotten to Indianapolis at 11 PM or midnight, which is early by NBA standards. The fact that the Pacers are second in the NBA in offensive efficiency, first in field goal percentage, first in paint points, they there's, 17 and two when they've scored 130 points or more, which I mean the 17 and two part of it is impressive, but the fact that they've done it 19 times is pretty incredible. Kind of tells you the way that the direction that the NBA is going. So this is going to be one of the biggest defensive challenges of the season for the Pelicans. Not only Wednesday, but they also play the Pacers on Friday as well. So you factor in the the lack of sleep, and somehow, some way, they're going to have to get past that mentally and not go into this game thinking, you know man, we got in late, there's no chance that we're going to be on top of our game. They're going to have to just refocus and get to the point where they can lock in at that end of the floor because really, you know, this is the kind of team they're playing against that can run you off the floor and bury you under a bunch of three-pointers if you're not not sharp defensively. Now look, Dallas didn't have one of their
4: main players when this happened in the past. When the team left Denver and had to play Dallas the next day and did win, But it has happened before, and this team did respond well. So it is interesting to sort of see it. And look, there's only 23 games left, including Mm -hmm. tonight. So they're all very precious.
5: Yeah, it's crunch time right now. And I know as we record this, we still haven't seen the injury report for Wednesday's game. We don't know what C.J. McCollum's status is. We don't know if there's going to be some other changes based on it being a back-to-back. But regardless, I think we've seen players like Matt Ryan and Jordan Hawkins and other guys when they've get, been given an opportunity to play more and contribute more they've responded well so maybe that'll be the case as well tonight where i mean dyson daniel's injury lately has opened up some more minutes for different guys as well so that's what it's going to be about it's going to be in, if you're in a position where you haven't played as much and you you get a chance tonight against indiana you're going to have to deliver and give them a chance to pick up a win which would create a very excellent road trip to be able to go 2-0 on this. Well, let's bring in our guest now, Christian Clark of The Advocate and The Picky We'll talk a little
4: bit about his thoughts on that. And more importantly, when we come back after we chat with Christian, Western Conference Wednesday.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
6: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but... Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, there's Creighton. You do watch Creighton.
2: 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All
4: right, time now to welcome in our guest, Mr. Jim Eichenhoffer. Always a pleasure when Mr. Christian Clark from The Advocate in Picayune covers your Pelicans and the NBA joins us. You can give him a follow over on X at Clark underscore one three. Christian, good morning to you, sir. How are you?
7: Hey, guys, I'm doing great. How are y'all
4: doing fine? I, I would say we're probably all better or at least well rested or more rested in the Pelicans, we have to start with that. It's nuts. Well, Christian, as you find out this morning that the team didn't get to Indianapolis to 6 a.m. with a 7.30 tip Eastern time. I, I don't know your thoughts on that, man.
7: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think the, the average NBA fan probably understands at this point, like NBA travel schedule is absolutely brutal. I mean, you know, in a perfect world, you probably don't want the second night of a back-to-backs, um, but hey, look, it's a reality of an 82-game season. There's just going to be some nights when you get in at like 4 or 5 a.m., you know, sleep till 11 or noon and then go have to play a game that night. You know, this is something that's happened to the Pelicans before. It's kind of something that happens to all the teams, really. You know, like it seems like Mm -hmm. it's just like a once a season thing. It's like there are just these nights where it's like, well, we got in at 5 a.m. and I'm a zombie and I got to go play a game tonight.
5: (laughs) I think one of the most frustrating parts of this specific case was you expected it to be a pretty easy night. I mean, most of the time when you travel from East team to East team, those cities are so close together that right. you really never have any really long flights. So you're thinking, okay, we'll probably get to Indianapolis at, you know, 1231 AM, which is, I mean, by NBA travel standards, that's, a, that's an outstanding night. If you're in your bed by, you know, one 30, I know from the experience that I had of doing that for a bunch of years, but that's the tough part is like, you think it's going to be a re- re- relatively manageable right. night and here it is. And it's, 6, 7 a.m., I'm sure, by the time guys got to sleep. And that's the thing. Look, we all three of us have traveled in a certain
4: capacity, right, covering teams, Christian. And obviously, look, even when I did Saints back in the day, it was commercial. So commercials different in charter. And sometimes even charter, you know, you, you struggle with it as well. And a lot of times I think people don't get – I mean, we're creatures of habit in routine, right? With time we go to shoot around, with time we write our stories, with time we do our podcast, with time we do that. And and as athletes, the same thing too, but – you. You don't really sleep or rest while you're traveling, even if it's a bus and even if it's a plane. It does take a toll on you, doesn't it?
7: I mean, speak for yourself. I'm like an incredible plane sleeper. Are you? I
4: cannot. I'm jealous. I I cannot at all.
7: I'm like the Michael Jordan of sleeping on Southwest flights. (laughs) I've seen every Southwest in-flight movie, and I've slept on all of their planes.
4: That's incredible. That's that's good. But I guess let's see what takes place because this is not
5: the first case that this has happened, Jim, right? Dallas. Yeah, the I mean that one was not unexpected. That one was more like you knew going in when you played at Denver and then had to fly to Dallas with the logistical issues that are caused by Denver's distance between the city and the airport. So, yeah, that one was planned. But like I said, I mean, this is more challenging just from the standpoint that I I can't imagine that you ever thought that this would be the case. That was a scheduled pain in the neck. Christian, before we get into some of the things specifically on this team and
4: moving forward here, what did you think of the win last night?
7: Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was um, a slow start offensively in the first half, you know, only putting up 48 points against this Knicks team that not only did they not have their starting front court, but also... You know, no Jalen Brunson, no Isaiah like This was a game I think the Pelicans really needed to take care of business in. I was really encouraged by what I saw in the second half. Um, I thought James Borrego kind of hit the nail on the head at halftime when he was like, our spacing was terrible in the first half. Looked a lot better in the second half. And just great to see Trey Murphy, you know, look like the guy we're accustomed to seeing and, and shake out of that slump a little bit.
5: Yeah, I mean... Another guy who's been so impressive to me has been Herb Jones. I mean, how surprised are you or impressed with the way that he's... I mean, he's 12th in three-point shooting percentage right now in the NBA. He's slightly ahead of some guys that people may have heard of, such as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I mean, how? what do you think of just the the leap that that guy's made from an offensive standpoint?
7: I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, man. I mean, you, you could just tell... He's getting his shot off quicker than than he ever has before. Like he's just stepping into them really confidently right now. Like he's not he's not thinking about it at all. He's just letting them fly. And you know that's a sign of a guy who's at a really great place mentally. I mean, if you just look at his catch and shoot three point percentage, I think he's at like forty three percent, something like that, on three and a half attempts per game. The volume, the percentage are up. I mean, we know what Herb does on the defensive end. Um, it's been really cool to watch, and I, I think he's a guy who you know, like uh, I said about a lot of guys, oh, this guy is such a hard worker. I yeah. think it's very true for Herb, you know, like that's, that. It's very, very true. Like no one, I really don't think anybody, you know, works harder uh, out on airline drive than Herb Jones. So it's good to see, you know, those guys have success. Maybe, maybe Jim Eichenhofer does, <laughs> yes. but I
5: don't know. They I was like just about that. to say that, that you overlooked me in that comment about hardest <laughs> yeah. worker on airline drive, but no, it's cool <laughs> that you made up for it before I had to step in and, and correct you there. No, I, I, I thought it was interesting, too, what Trey Murphy said after the game against the Knicks last night where he said the it's astounding to think about that when he played with Herb Jones in summer league three years ago, Herb was hesitant to shoot. And a lot of times, even if he was wide open, he wouldn't take the shot. He would give it up to somebody quickly and, like, try to look to figure out how to set a pick on somebody. So, I mean, it's I, I can't compare anything that. I've ever seen in the NBA with the, the leap that he's made from his rookie year to now. So that that's just been, you know, astounding. I was going to just jump in on that because it is crazy to
4: think Christian, if he had this kind of offensive game coming out of the draft, right. With that ability to play defense and inability to play offense, you wonder if he would have been there for the Pell even grab, you know?
7: I mean, totally, totally. If like you go back and look at his Alabama career, like basically didn't, take threes his first three years. I mean, you know, was just pretty much a a non shooter's first three years. And then, you know, in that last year under Nate Oates started to take them a little bit, showed some modest improvement. But I don't know if people fully bought that or or anything like that. I mean, I think they knew what he was just as a a basketball player and, and definitely as a defensive player. But I don't know if people bought the three point shooting. And you know, he was he's passable when he came in. Like he I think he, he was fine as a rookie, but like to think that he's gotten to this level this year—it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I didn't, I didn't see this coming.
5: Yeah, you, know, you know, speaking of how much improvement he needed to make, too, Gus and I talked about this recently. He wasn't even a good f- uh, free throw shooter in college, too. So, I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, like you just mentioned, he made a, a nice improvement as a rookie and in his second year in the NBA compared to college from the three point line, where he shot thirty. He was at thirty three percent roughly these first two seasons, and now he's at forty three which is amazing to be able to go up that much. But even free throw wise, he's at, last I checked, he's at like 85%. And in college he was like low sixties. I mean, that's, that's just, to your point, Christian, as far as just how much he's worked, there's, there's no way you can do that unless you are constantly in the gym and you're focused on it. And it's something that you're just sticking with. And I think, you know, there's been stretches too, in his first two years, even last season toward second half of the season where He had some games where he made made a shot, a couple air balls, and it would have been easy for him to just get discouraged and to be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not make, I'm making progress, but it's not at the level that I want it to be. So, you know, for him to just keep sticking with it is it's also a credit to him, just the work ethic that he has. So he
7: took a technical foul shot against the Bulls, right? Pretty sure. Did he I think he, I think I think it he took did. a T. Yeah? You're right. Yeah.
5: That's a great point. And he and, and it's deserved too. You know, sometimes a coach or a team will hand a guy a technical free throw because, you know, they want to give get him an extra shot or they say, like, okay, he's made some improvement. He, maybe he's not the best free throw shooter, but from a team standpoint, let's give him it. But I mean, when he's that much thought
4: into it, really? <laughs> yeah.
5: I, sometimes there is, but I mean, um, when you look at the stats, it's like, yeah, he deserved to be taking the free throw yeah. because he's the best free throw shooter probably on the court at that time. Um, you know, I, I talked about Trey Murphy's reaction to Herb. Um, w- one of the things that I noted from Willie Green's post game interview last night was, you know, Willie doesn't use a lot of hyperbole in his interviews. And one of the words that he used to describe when Trey Murphy is making shots is it's devastating to our opponent, which I took note of that just because um, Willie does, he does not traffic in those types of descriptions. So I thought that was interesting, the way that he put that. Um, how big do you think it was to see Trey have that kind of game and going going forward, if he's able to, you know, even approach that, those type of performances, how how much of an impact is it going to make for the Pelicans?
7: Yeah, I, I thought it was huge. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's that's definitely accurate that Trey Murphy is, you know, one of the biggest X factors on this team. I mean, you know, this was a guy who, started a ton of games last season and, you know, really looked good in, in that expanded role. And when he came back from left knee surgery this year, initially, I thought he looked really good, was playing some confident basketball. And then, you know, these last few weeks has just kind of been in a, a little bit of a rut. And, you know, to me, it's just, it's just kind of looked mental. Like it's, it's really hard in the NBA. And, you, you know, sometimes you're going to have these um like crises of confidence and, like to me, it just looked like a guy who got his confidence back against the Knicks. I thought it was a really cool moment when uh, you know, Will he made his six three of the night and him and Willie Green like kind of chest bumped near midcourt. And mm-hmm. I think Willie Green said, Welcome back, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that summed it up really well. It's like, yeah, this is this is the guy we're used to seeing. Um, and I mean, you know, like it just it's not only like he's a good three point shooter, it's just like the range. Like he's he's mm-hmm. one of those guys that's comfortable taking threes like a few feet from behind the three-point
4: line. The three-point line, a three-point shot, Christian and Jim, is is so big and can be devastating, right? At at the timing, a lot of it, too. Didn't see a lot of minutes. I may or may not have been texting some people about getting him in the game. In comes Matt Ryan, late third quarter, (laughs) knocks down those two big threes. In the box score, Christian, it just says six points. But at that time, those threes pushed it to 10-point leads, when the game was still somewhat in doubt there and then eventually the Pels kind of got a little bit more comfortable just to be able to sort of have that. I almost still think Willie and this team still trying to learn when those pieces go, but I guess we look at it like this to have that, ability to have that weapon of a guy that can just walk in and I thought it was interesting after the game Willie said this guy does all kind of cardio and is is ready and is in shape that's hard to do I mean like in baseball you have the pinch hitter right that doesn't play anything but is expected to deliver a two out two RBI (laughs) base hit or something it's kind of hard what Matt Ryan did huh
7: I mean totally yeah I mean the the game against in Chicago that was like the first real run he'd gotten in three months and he comes Mm -hmm. off the bench and hits four threes I mean I I can't imagine what that's like to go basically three months in between playing. I mean, I almost, I, I guess like maybe a good comparison that's like a reliever in baseball because you don't really know when you're going to be used, but if you're like a shooter, you got to bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, maybe, maybe that's a okay comparison, but yeah, I'm I'm glad Matt Ryan got in the game last night. I really, you know, I took note when Willie green only played eight guys in the first half. I was like, wow. First night of a back to back, we're on an eight man rotation. Second half opened up his rotation a little bit. Matt Ryan was that ninth guy right. and, you know, showed showed why Willie Green put him on the court. Those those were big shots. Um, it's good to see him kind of tie his minutes to Zion. Uh, Zion plus shooting. It it's a good can point, look good. Right? <laughs> When he drives,
4: I mean, he's going to be out there, and you want somebody that can be devastating to that. You know, I, have we seen the lineup? It's still Maybe it's my just dream fantasy lineup of Zion with Matt Ryan, Hawkins, and Trey Murphy surrounding him on the arc.
7: Yeah, I, I I don't know if we've seen it or not. I don't think. Uh, is. yeah, I don't hopefully, think so. Hopefully they don't have to play defense at all and can just play offense. Well, I didn't say
5: about that. <laughs> <laughs> for like
7: ten seconds to see if it works or not, but tonight might be a good uh, opportunity. Well, to, tonight uh, may uh, Yeah, exactly. But
5: yeah, although that might be that might be a challenge against Indiana, being the second ranked offensive team in the league and a team that's put up huge numbers. You know, Christian, while we have you too, I wanted to ask you, kind of switching topics a little bit. I wanted to ask you about the reporting that you've done on the Pelicans and Gray TV, as well as just teams around the NBA that have kind of started to change their approach to local TV broadcasting. I, I guess I could start with, I mean, what do you think are are maybe a couple of the most important things that fans should know about either specifically the Pelicans with Gray TV or just kind of the direction that teams are going, what you expect are going to be some of the ways that things change with how teams operate with their local TV contracts. Yeah, so I
7: mean, I I think, you know, we're kind of in this big transformative period in in all forms of media right now, and people are trying to figure out, like, what's what's the model that works Um, post-cable? What could that look like? Because, you know, cord cutting has been a thing for the last 10 years and will only continue to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I honestly, I don't know. Um, I think that the Pelicans, you know, part of the reason they, they exercise their right to take 10 of their games and show them on great TV stations that allowed them to kind of see like, okay, you know, if we make these games free, what is our audience going to look like? Um, you know, it's, this gives them opportunity to do a test run before the summer when they're going to have to make a decision again. Are they... Going to go back to ballet, which looks like it's kind of be resuscitated by by that Amazon investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people are wondering like, are some of those ballet partners? Are their games going to be streamed on Amazon Prime next season? And I think that's TBD. We still we still don't really know. Um, so I think the question is like, are the games going to be streamed next year? Are they going to be you know over the air like we've seen the Phoenix Suns do this year? I mean, I just think in this region, definitely like the biggest reach possible. That's that's going over the air. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think what happens is is TBD.
4: And you talked about in terms of reach and you've brought up metrics in your reporting here as well. We even talked about it just when the great TV deal took place, um, going from hundreds of thousands of possible viewers to millions of possible viewers. What 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 have the Suns seen when when it comes to metrics?
7: Yeah, so to, I mean to your point that's something the the Pelicans, you know, noted when they when they did take 10 of their games and went to Grey this year they're like, look, under the old agreement with uh Bally, we're reaching about we have the potential to reach 700,000 people with with Grey and over the air we could reach 7 million people, so they're kind of 10xing their potential audience. And look, the Phoenix Suns were the team that Kind of changed everything when they said, we're not going to go back to Bali. We're going to partner with Gray and make all of our games over the year for free. Um, They have seen a 94% increase in their their audience watching wow. games this year. So they've basically almost doubled their viewing audience this season as opposed to last season. So, you know, in terms of just viewership. It's, it's it's definitely been a success
4: there's two things that i think of that jim and christian a th- that's advertising right i can go to advertising and say this is how many more people you're watching or mm. being able to see so you can increase your advertising and secondly he's going to want like 8.2 or 8.3, the Jim Eichenhofer channel. I mean, as I'm just telling you right now, he's going to want his own digital channel. So, you know, kind of like the Manning cast is going to be the Eichenhofer cast. He's just going to be able to broadcast while the game's going on. I don't know if the viewing audience is
5: ready for that, to be (laughs) honest with you.
4: Like, I mean, those are real metrics that when you sit down in a, you know, in a meeting of important people with big chairs and suits, Christian, that, 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 that helps. And and look, if you, you want to get, I look at it this way. It's we would love people to come to games all the time, right? But whether it's families, it's weekdays, it's it's tough to to come to 40-plus games at home and get that kind of audience. But to be able to still follow, to be able to see, look, you've seen somewhat of that over 20 years, Christian, where I can't go anywhere in the city now and not see a Pelican's hat, a Pelican's shirt, a Pelican's jersey. That was not always the case. So I do think people are watching, and I do people think want to watch. And I think that's just as important as trying to get to a a button to see.
7: Yeah, I agree. And like, I, I've really, you know, kind of compared and contrasted the NFL and like how they service their fans at the local level versus the NBA. And it just seems a lot better for, for NFL fans at the local level than an NBA fans. It's easy to watch the games, you know, there's, there's fewer games. So it feels like each game is an event, Um, And, you know, I I think that's like part of the reason the NBA or I'm sorry, the NFL is just more popular than ever. Like they the fans feel like every game matters. And, you know, it's it's just really easy to watch their games. There's not a lot of friction involved there. Um, So I think, you know, there's some lessons the NBA can maybe take from the NFL.
4: That's a good point, because they've actually now, you know, started doing the streaming and try to kind of take that next step into that aspect, too. But they've been able to partner it. Right. I mean, you you give the local TV stations an opportunity to televise games that are just on stream like on Prime or on Monday Night Football which is on ESPN local stations get a chance to do that so they almost double dip right I mean you get to you get to not only get the big TV package with streamers or providers but also they charge local stations to be able to do that as well so again to your point it, it's happening and we almost do it already at some point the NBA is just trying to figure out how to do it
7: yeah yeah and i mean to your point uh, I I think there has been you know good interest in in the city this year and like you know i'm at i'm at the blender every night i haven't missed a home game this year like it really is rocket in there like mm-hmm. there is there's an atmosphere i mean it it was fun even against that that game against chicago like miami i mean there's there's juice in the building especially you know post all-star break in this home stretch
4: yeah you can feel it man there's a final 60 seconds here just obviously you got indiana twice We'll see what takes place tonight. But you mentioned back at the blender on Friday, all these games are so important, only 23 left. By the time they come back, it'll be 22 left. And some of those at home, that last home stand there to open up April, Christian, really stands out to me.
7: Absolutely, man. And, you know, I think CJ McCollum has talked about the formula. It's like, we got to win at home. We got to beat the sub 500 teams. Like that is the Pelicans pathway towards, you know, getting a top six seed. I think that's that's kind of their goal uh, of, don't have to mess around with the play in in good shape right now but uh look it's looking like you know only one of like no I'm sorry two of like the Pelicans Mavericks Suns and Kings are going to make the playoffs outright you know two of those other teams are going to have to deal with the play in uh it's scary out there in the west it's it's not like the east yeah no doubt that's why it was so
4: important jim to to win that game last night you can't have mm-hmm. a four game losing streak you can't you can't have you know Long streaks of not winning. Yeah. You're, you're going to go left and right. And th- I got to get your take on that. Did you see th- how Cleveland beat Dallas? I mean, that miraculous shot there is incredible, right?
7: Yeah. And for Dallas to to go ahead with like two and a half seconds left, only only to lose on uh, Max Struess's, you know, bomb. It, it did remind me a little bit of Devontae Graham's game winner against OKC a few years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. Devontae, I think, had some distance on uh, Max Struess. But it did remind me of that a little bit. That was that was an incredible moment. Underrated Pelicans moment of the past
5: few years. I'm sure it wasn't humorous to the Mavericks themselves, but <laughs> it was funny to watch the reactions of their faces on the oh, bench okay. when the ball went yeah. in. I mean, one thing, one small, maybe big difference between Devontae's shot and this one, though, was I think the Pelicans were tied in the game. that. So if Devontae misses it and you expect it to miss, game goes to overtime. Yeah. Whereas the Mavericks had this game won and then... The Cavs needed a 60-footer to to win the game. That that was just incredible. It's a standing spot difference, too. And if
4: you listen to the television broadcast, the play-by-play guy goes, oh, no, oh, no. The color guy says they need to review it. I can only imagine if that would have been graphed. Things would have been broken, Christian. Somehow, who knows what would have happened there.
7: You know, graph is freaking out when the Pelicans are up like 15 points. And so in the
4: second quarter, 100% <laughs> yes.
7: Yeah. You should, you should spend an
4: entire game with a headset on trying to, to, to cut those highlights. Christian Clark covers the Pelicans and the NBA for the advocate pickyune at C Clark underscore one, three is the way to give a follow, man. Appreciate it as always. Thank you for your time today, bud.
7: All right, man. Don't let Jim's ego get out of control. Okay.
4: He's gonna go practice 60 foot shots at the, there's no I one here.
5: I don't here even court. He's I just don't gonna go, do it right now. I don't even need to practice them. I got it, I got it down. I love it. Thank you, Christian.
4: <laughs> Our thanks to Christian Clark. It's always a fun time when we chat there. And I'm i t- am I'm I'm gonna push this. No one's gonna ask me, but I, I know where the staircase is, it's just to the right. I, I think you need your own digital channel, like your
5: Manning cast, <laughs> the Eichenhofer cast. What do you think? I think I need to sign you as but you my agent. you have to wear a funny hat. You yes. have to wear,
4: like, the Pelicans hat there, the, the, the one that oh, they gave away. Oh, the Pierre hat? Yeah, the Pierre mm. hat, yes. You need to wear, the, like, the Pierre hat while the game is going on. You mm. need to scream like screaming an A, and every now and then, just like, for the heck of it, like a bike horn. <laughs> just, oh, 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 oh. you know, what do you think?
5: I like your creativity here, Gus. This is something that we're going to have to meet about after the show, and we can really get down some ideas. And really, I, th- I think we have a good start here just with your brainstorming. Well, I'll tell you what. One of the best ideas yeah, had was Western Conference Wednesday, which tells us about a
4: team that we want to keep an eye on in the Western Conference.
5: You know what, Gus? How about all of them? I'll just save you the time. All of them. They're all tough. <laughs> At least five through eight you need to pay attention to. And speaking of which, you know, I'm wondering if we need to start looking at is there a Western Conference team to watch curse because the Mavericks were the team to watch this week, and they got beaten by a 59-foot shot by Max Struess at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that I was able to work some magic on them. Um, they went 1-2 last week. They got a very good win at home against Phoenix. Then they lost at Indiana on Sunday, and then, like I said, they lost at the buzzer to the Cavaliers. So 1-2. They're uh, one, one and a one half games behind the Pelicans right now. Um Really, you know, the difficult schedule that they had, I I kind of anticipated this or thought it was possible, but the fact that they had a pretty challenging slate um, definitely helped the Pelicans gain some ground on them, even though the Pelicans didn't necessarily have a great last seven days either with splitting the four games that they've had so far. So keep an eye on that. Dallas is, like I said, one and a half behind the Pelicans. The tiebreaker is still up in the air. We're going to get into that more later in the regular season when some of these division games that both... Dallas and New Orleans are playing. Um, The team that I'm going to try to jinx and curse this week over the next seven days as the team to watch is the Sacramento Kings. They're 33-24, and which is one game behind the Pelicans. Mm -hmm. They're actually tied in the loss column, but the Pelicans have played two more games, which has been kind of—it seems like for a long stretch, the Pelicans have had more games in hand than the Kings have have played. Um, But part of why I picked the Kings this week over these next seven days is— Again, similar to Dallas last week, their schedule is very interesting. The Kings are at Denver tonight, which they actually won in Denver recently. So it's not like they can't pull off a a win there. But nonetheless, a difficult game against the defending champions. So Wednesday, Wednesday at Denver, Friday at Minnesota, and then Monday they play at home against the pesky Chicago Bulls. So two pretty tough road games against two of the top four teams in the West, followed by a game against Chicago, which is... A confounding team right now considering that they just lost to Detroit at home after they had beaten the Pelicans Sunday in New Orleans.
4: All right, well let's see what takes place. Jim Eichenhofer, give him a follow. Pelicans.com and on X Jim underscore Eichenhofer in soon a some sort of digital channel. It'll Look, be free. I'm,
5: I'm looking forward to that. I, I've got a maybe this will be an off season project that I, I get ready for. You
4: may have to pay people to watch it, but it won't be subscription. Oh, That's man. for sure. So you you <laughs> hype it up and you build it up and then you throw that no, in at I'm the end. You, No, i with you. I will be there with you. I will be there with you for sure. No, it's always fun. <laughs> hey, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again on Friday on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast.
3: Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or where you get your podcast. And be sure to give Jim and Gus a follow on X at Jim underscore offer and GCAT underscore 17. We'll see you next time, right here on the New Orleans Pelicans Podcast.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: And even
2: checkout's
7: not until four, so
1: because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and four p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash with Amex. Terms apply.
2: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game.